Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Meaningful Learning with Dr. Samantha Cotrera podcast. Many of you know that I started this podcast as a way to share academic conference presentations, and I expanded this work in spring of 2020 in order to bring you the audio versions of the pandemic pedagogy conversations I've been hosting on my YouTube channel, Imagining a New We. For this upcoming school year, I'm going to be bringing you a second series that I'm hosting on YouTube called Source Saturday, where I talk with historians and creators and archivists about primary and secondary sources that they have familiarity with and to talk about what they read from them. Although the series does work better as a video because we screen share the sources we discuss it, there are many interesting elements of our conversation that do, that do work as a podcast, but I do urge you to check out the YouTube video so you can see the source for yourself. Like the Pandemic Pedagogy series, these podcast episodes are unedited conversations, so you may hear buffering or the repetition of a question or an answer if Zoom wasn't working that great, but the content remains fundamentally the same as the video. Enjoy this version of Source Saturday. Hello everyone, Dr. Samantha Cotrera here for the Imagining a New We video blog, and Betty is here too, a video series designed to help history teachers and other history educators teach history in ways that are more meaningful, transformative, and inclusive for their students, maybe for their cats too, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> It's funny because um, in doing these Source Saturday videos and I'm looking at archival materials and like today a museum exhibition and I'm so like conscious of rules related to archival images and um, and museums such as no drinking, no cats. <laughs> so I'm always, I always feel like extra kind of worried when I'm, I want to drink something during a conversation or one of the cats come because I'm like, the archival material. Of course, um, that's not the case because it's over Zoom. Anyway, today is a Source Saturday video and I'm really excited because today I'm doing a different type of source than I have before because we are talking with Museum London about an exhibit that they have right now. In particular, the Black Lives Matter London exhibit that they have up that is a collection of different posters from the Black Lives Matter protests in June. Um, we're talking with Amber Lloyd Langston, who is a curator at the museum, but we're also talking with um, Olivia Musico, who is is one of the people that kind of came up with and curated the exhibit and uh, Jada Hampton, which is one, who is one of the founders of uh, Black Lives Matter London and was also heavily involved with the exhibit. So I'm really excited to talk to these women about the exhibit itself and about uh, curating um, a contemporary moment in a space like a museum that's normally associated with history. And what I also am interested in while I'm filming this before the American election, it is going to be broadcast after the American election. And I expect that there will be a lot of protests after the American election. And so the idea is like, how can you bring in protest, not history, but like the current moment of protest into your history classes in ways that allow your students to feel empowered to make change, know that they can make change, and also see themselves as a product and process of history, like that they are able to make history, but that also the things that their experience is probably is as part of a longer kind of trajectory of of history and struggle and resistance and resilience. So anyway, I'm really excited to go over to our conversation. I don't know if all of us could, all of them can join us for the entire conversation. So we'll see if all three women are able to have the conversation with us. But uh, all three women have been involved with the exhibit um, uh, as well as the conversation about having this conversation. So I, anyway, I am looking forward to meeting them and hope that they can join Join us for the whole of the conversation. Let's go for the Zoom. It is so wonderful to talk with both of you today. I am so excited. This is the first exhibit that we are talking about for the Source Saturday series, and I think that this is so topical and important right now. Thank you both for joining me in talking about this exhibit. Um, as we, uh, before we go into talking about it, why don't you introduce yourselves? Um, Amber, why don't you start? Okay. Hi, my name's Amber Lloyd Langston. I'm the Curator of Regional History at Museum London. And we are essentially here a community museum slash art gallery in the fine city of London, Ontario. Uh, we, we collect um, the history of this community and the county. 
I think that regional museums have been able to do so many kind of interesting things and like really exploring community. So thank you so much for, for bringing that conversation to this series and especially related to this exhibit. So thank you, Amber. Um, Olivia, would you like to introduce yourself? I would love to. I'm Olivia Musco. I'm 23 years old. I'm from Sarnia, Ontario, but I am actually living in London because I am a student at Fanshawe College. And I had the honor of co-curating the Museum London Black Lives Matter movement exhibit. Um, and you look like you're in an exhibit space right now with your like <laughs> neutral walls behind you. <laughs> yeah, that's because um, I can't pay for damages when I leave this place that I'm renting. So <laughs> it's nice and crisp. Right. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Well, we have uh, another person that's joining us, which I'm so excited. Jada, can you please introduce yourself? Yep, um, so I'm Jada. I'm a first year university student and I'm one of the original founders of Black Lives Matter London. So I organized the first protest that brought out 10,000 people. Um, I mean, that's amazing. Like, do, you, do, you, do you feel in awe of yourself on a fairly regular yeah. basis? Like, I it took me a while to like fathom that, like 10,000 people, because a lot of people that came through. And it's like, the account is still going and we have like our, like, our own like, management team and people who post and it's, like has like over 9,000 followers now. And it just feels good that no, like knowing like where I'm like educating people and that I'm making a change like one step at a time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and Jada, you were saying you can't stay very long. So your answer is well, kind of come in and out of this conversation due to the magic of editing. So thank you for making time um, to talk with us. <laughs> what is this exhibit that we are talking about today? Uh, Amber, why don't you, uh, why don't you start? Okay, so I'll give my take on it and then Olivia will, will say what she thinks. So um, the exhibition uh, is about 117 signs, uh, protest signs that uh, Londoners made and carried at the uh, June 6th protest or rally, whatever you want to call it, that was staged in London in Victoria Park to uh, just express outrage over the killing of George Floyd in the United States but also to acknowledge that London and Canada both have issues as well. I recognize that, or at least I hope, that this is a huge historic moment and that there actually is going to be change because of the degree of outrage that people have been expressing. And so I felt like as a community museum whose responsibility is to tell the history of this community, I need to think strategically about what people who follow me in this position of historical curator at Museum London are going to want to do in this museum and what stories they're going to want to tell. And I thought that this is one they're going to want to tell. So I needed to go to actually try and collect some signs. So, so that's why I went. Um, how the exhibition came about, that is very much intertwined with Olivia. So possibly it should be her turn now so I don't take all her words. Okay, so yeah, Amber did a great job on summarizing what the exhibit turned into and how Museum London kind of joined the picture. For me, it started when my friends and I decided that we were going to attend the protest. And so we got together and we were creating signs one evening. Actually, it was the Thursday evening prior to the Saturday protest. And as I was sitting there, I was looking at all of the girls and the amount of passion, emotion, and, and creativity that was put into these signs and how such a simple three words, Black Lives Matter, speaks volumes. And I was overwhelmed by looking at the 10 of us and what we had created. And I knew that that was going to amount to something even greater on the Saturday. So I kind of said to them jokingly, like, I'm gonna turn this into a museum, like this is gonna happen. And they said, okay, Olivia, yeah, like if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be you, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> so the next morning I just took a shot in the dark and I decided to message Museum London on Instagram. And I said, I kind of have this idea and I think it'd be really cool if we could collaborate and create something. Um, 
to commemorate this this moment that's going to happen on Saturday. And at that moment, we didn't even know what the outcome was going to be. We didn't know how it was going to turn out, how many people were going to be there, how we were going to collect signs. None of that was figured out. Um, but they said, we love your idea. We um, can contacted Amber and given her your name. So she'll be expecting an email. I said, okay, great. So I <laughs> oh, emailed Amber. I <laughs> yeah, what did I do? I emailed Amber and she said that she was going to be attending as well. And um, the plan was just to kind of collect whatever we could. And uh, so my friends and I, we were like, standing in the band shell looking at all the signs we're like oh I like that one I like that one and just seeing if we could ask the people after the protest for their signs um and then I took it upon myself to introduce myself to the girls that um created the protest and I said I have this idea they said oh yeah Amber came and spoke to us as well I said amazing and so my friends and I, we were standing at the band show at the end and somebody took the microphone and made an announcement for everybody to bring their signs up front. And me and my friends were looking at each other and we're like, what? What is going on? <laughs> and I kind of got filled with tears about the amount of support that everyone had. And we said, we don't even know what we're doing at this point, but thank you for donating your signs. Like this means so much to me. And so we just collected them all. And uh, thankfully, at the end, uh, we were all like, okay, so now what's going to happen? And my little brother had bought his first truck like three days prior. So I called him up. I said, Maxie, we need your truck. And we <laughs> filled his truck with signs and we brought them back to my place. And then we kind of went from there. And that's how it all got started. Um, and as Amber said, there's just over a hundred signs there um but the amount of signs that we got from the protest is well over 500 and so going through the process of having to choose signs and everything like that was such an emotional experience i know it was an emotional experience for all of us who were looking at the signs because these placards they they're like pictures they speak a thousand words and you can feel the emotion, you can feel the anger, the sadness, the passion created in each sign. And that's what this museum is all about. It's all about emotion and continuing the conversation. And there are other women that are involved with this exhibit that couldn't be here today. Um, do you want to just introduce their involvement? Maybe Amber, um, you want to introduce their involvement? Sure. So uh, there were there's a group of five young women who actually took it upon themselves to organize this rally. And I just want to emphasize these are late high school, just graduating high school young women. They're absolutely amazing what they were able to do because I think 10,000 people showed up to this rally. So I just want to emphasize they are extraordinary. Uh, two of them, two of the five ended up working with the museum and with Olivia to put together this exhibition. One of them is Kiara Roberts um, and the other is Jada Hamden. Um, and Jada, how did you come to this exhibit? Um, Amber was saying how, you know, she understood the kind of importance as, a, as someone um, connected with history. Olivia was saying how she uh, sent the direct message on Instagram about wanting to do an exhibit. Tell me how you yeah. got involved. Um, well, Olivia was contacting Kira, and then Kira let me know about the exhibit, and I'm like, I think that's a great idea. So then I went with Kira the first day to pick out, like, what signs we want on the exhibit and, like, other signs, like, because there's a lot. So we had to pick, like, a couple to put on the exhibit, ones that we find, like, had, had a lot of meaning. So yeah, Kira was the one who told me about it, and then I was like, yeah, I want to be involved in this. So what was the process of picking the signs? I just remember... I forget whose house it was, but we went to someone's house and then we picked up, like, picked up a couple signs, put them in a pile. It's like, these are the signs we want and these are like, maybe, and then the other ones, no, because there was a lot of repetitive ones. So we had to pick ones that, you know, just displayed a lot of emotion and a lot of like information. Um, and then we, after we picked the signs, we went to the museum and then we organize them in the way that we want them to be on the wall and then Amber gave us the measurements and everything so we had to follow those measurements to see 
like where they're going to be on the wall really what i asked them to do was to do the choosing so i said uh, don't edit there there is at least one swear word up there but i said that's okay i think we can handle the s word um we'll, we'll, we'll live with it. and it's front and center up there it's, uh, it's easy to find i also said don't don't um don't censor they were concerned whether we could say defund the police for example whether that would be politically incorrect i said no don't um, don't worry about that put it in good picture so really the only thing i said was don't mind square words don't censor and look for color so because i wanted it to be very colorful very impactful because as you can see it's on a, a very large wall behind that behind me in museum london and i wanted it to be eye-catching after that I also said try to choose as many messages as possible and so then I left it to them and it was so exciting to listen to the three of them discussing the merits of every sign and very I really didn't say anything I was just the list keeper and the photographer so I made choices that was what I decided should be my goal because one Olivia was the one who reached out to us to make this exhibit in the first place Two, as the organizers of the of the actual rally, I really wanted Jada and Pierre's vision of what they were wanting to achieve reflected in the actual exhibition itself. So they were amazing, uh, focused, intelligent, thoughtful, insightful. I, I, I haven't got enough superlatives for, for the three of them as they work together. And so collegial and cooperative, they were a joy. I've always found young people to be so interested in speaking back to the world that they are in. And that world is often full, the world that they are looking at is often very full of injustice. And so to be able to speak that through an exhibit is really powerful. And what I really love from both of your answers when you were talking about like what this exhibit is and how it came to be was amber you were saying like as a curator of this regional of this regional museum or the the regional history of the museum like you recognize the historical moment of this particular moment in london and olivia when you were saying like as we were doing it we were recognizing the historical impact of this moment um and then these women that were that put the um that the put the march the protest together because of the importance of the historical moment like it's so amazing how those different ways of coming to to kind of the same like a similar conclusion came from these different ways and that there was space for that creativity of presenting this history this moment to be able to grow that's that's such an exciting uh that's such an exciting moment of collaboration it's true i i i agree the collaboration was beautiful uh I also think that this was something where we were all essentially had not exactly the same objectives in putting the exhibition together. Mm -hmm. um, I think we overlapped in many, but I can speak on behalf of Museum London in, in as much as we also want to demonstrate to our wider community that we are relevant to our community and mm. that we are interested in being space, a safe space, a brave space even for conversations that aren't always easy to have. We're also trying as many mainstream organizations are with a long history of not being as representative, well at all representative, speaking for Museum London, our, our collections have nothing really to tell the stories of, of um, Black and Indigenous and people of colour in our community. But we're trying to fix that. We're trying to remedy it. And exhibitions like that, this one, are a way for us to try to demonstrate, to walk the talk, right? We're not just saying, oh, we want to be inclusive. We are trying to be inclusive. We're trying to show an anti-racist practice in the things that we present for our visitors. So that was certainly one of the goals of putting this forward.
Often when people think of museums, they think of historical museums, right? So telling the story of the past, not of this particular moment. Or something like an art museum, which is looking at kind of the aesthetics of something. So this is such an interesting exhibit because of the fact that it's so contemporary and it's not it's not for the aesthetics it's also for the historicity of this moment so why in the different ways that you came to this why did you think like let's not wait let's not wait till a year-long retrospective let's not wait for five years or ten years or even after covid but let's put this up right away well and part the immediacy of it is is simply because we are looking at something that's called ephemera. So as I was walking away from the event on June 6th, because of course I attended, I saw more than one person roll up their signs and toss them in the garbage. But that is what happened to those signs. So if we had not actually asked for them, the majority would have ended up in the garbage. So first of all, we needed to get it before they could be tossed. Uh, then it was more a case of recognizing that it would be easy for a rally to happen and then nothing further to take place to make change. As much as we hope that that is not the case, it actually takes multiple organizations recognizing that there is a problem and then trying to keep the momentum going, keep the conversations going. Let's not forget what happened to George Floyd and to Breonna Taylor and, and many, many, many others. Let's remember what's happened. Let's remember the passion that drove everybody out on June 6th. And let's keep working for change. And by keeping an exhibition like this, putting it up right away and, and keeping it up for, for a good length of time, it's, a, it's a, a way to try and keep it top of mind. Let's not lose track of it. It's not gone away. Right. Olivia, when you were thinking of the exhibit, did you think it was going to like go up in a couple months or were you thinking like, oh, this would be such an interesting thing to have as like a historical document? Yeah, so I was eager to get started as soon as it could happen. When I think of creating change, it has to be present and it has to be a continuation of what started this. And I didn't feel this was something that could wait. It's not something that's going to go away right away. And when I think of creating change, I also think of if you compare it to an injury, a physical injury, you work prevention measures before it gets to the point of getting hurt. So as an athlete, for instance, you train, you work your body to prevent your body from getting hurt in the future. And this is the same, like, when you're creating change, you, you don't want to wait for awareness. You want to create prevention before it gets to that point. And unfortunately, it got to that point. And there was no prevention measures in the Black Lives Matter movement. There was death and there was a lot of pain and hurt that started this conversation. And so we couldn't really prevent what had happened in the past, but we can prevent or alter what may happen in the future if we act now. And so I felt this was needed immediately. And I'm so glad Museum London was able to accommodate that as well, because I think we've already started to continue these conversations. And if we had waited, who knows what could have happened in that time being. And of course, injustice doesn't go away overnight. However, I think creating more safe spaces to have these conversations is what is going to allow change to occur. Um, and Jada, why was having this as an exhibition right after um, you started this protest and the march so important for you as one of the organizers of the march? I think, I feel history isn't just the past. I think it's also the present because people it's still happening and it happened in the past too so putting these signs up it's like honoring those lives that were lost like a couple years ago or a couple I don't know like months ago even um I really feel like having that up there and people being able to go and see it I think it's just important having that even though it's like right immediately after because it just honors 
all the people that we've lost and it honors how black lives do matter and people should know this it's not a thing that's going to happen once and it's going to be over with if we don't like change it so it's going it's going to be history if we don't stop it now you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I also think, like, while, Amber, you come as a museum professional to this exhibit, what I also think is that kind of Olivia, as a non-museum professional's invitation for this, kind of helped shape the fact, like, shape the possibility of something a little bit different. Like, that's one of the things that you know, I've been doing a lot of these videos now, and we often, even though they're history-based, they often talk about interdisciplinarity and, like, how coming to different stories from different perspectives allow for different ways into understanding the past. And while this wasn't actually a part of either of your answers, I can't help but think that that kind of element of interdisciplinarity, like someone saying, oh, this is kind of an interesting exhibit, um, is a different kind of approach than if you are normally just thinking of like traditional history exhibits or a traditional art exhibit. Did you find that? I mean, that, that's kind of a big question. Did you find that element of like community, uh, a community-based kind of interdisciplinarity or maybe no disciplines at all uh, helped shape the exhibit coming to life? Absolutely. Uh, simply the volume of signs in and of itself is huge. I, kn I know that Olivia mentioned how surprised she was when the call went out for people to donate at the end of the rally. Uh, I was, my jaw was on the ground and I thought, oh my goodness, I think I'm just going to walk away now because I thought, <laughs> I have a Yaris, I have a Toyota Yaris, what am yeah. I going to do with those? I can't get them anywhere. And so uh, I had intended uh, to collect five signs is for the collection and I am working on another exhibition um, a history of London exhibition and I, I still have intentions of using a sign for that exhibition it's going to include a timeline component and I want to start from the earliest times we can up to as close to today as I can just to show that history is history is now we're living it even if we don't believe it uh, I had not envisioned even creating this exhibition at all until Olivia reached out to us and until that call went out for all of them. Mm -hmm. I know I stopped into the museum on Monday morning afterward and said, oh my, oh dear, I have to <laughs> explain what happened. Um, this is not what I asked for. Uh, it's likely a very good thing but it's not my fault I didn't do it just in case because it's because uh, it's collection practices right Amber what you were saying about like oh I was like we'll do one one sign or we'll do um we'll do a you know collection of five signs but having this like amazing collection is outside of collection practices which is why one of the very small reasons why there are so few material and archival records and artifacts related to women, black people, indigenous people, people of color in Canada generally. And so as a museum curator, was did it did it help you or did it kind of shake up how you normally think about collection practices in relationship to the fact that like, oh, this is not how I would have this is not how I was expecting to collect. Certainly, uh, because ideally I would have wanted to have known each person who made the sign so that I could capture their story and their name. Um, so I, I'm just going to make one thing clear, though, maybe it didn't come through. We are not acquiring all 117 that have gone on display. We're still only going to acquire about five. Because we, as other museums, will be in the same situation just don't have the capacity to care for a huge number of them for long term. So we're going to try and choose a sampling, um, including Jada's brothers, because we know who <laughs> did it. And because it's powerful for all the reasons that Olivia said, uh, we're, those are the ones we're gonna, we're gonna still make choices. But what the way things played out is, at least with this exhibition, if we can show by the volume of signs that are on the wall, give an idea of the 
um, numbers of people who came out, mm-hmm. which we just had one dis- one sign on display in our permit exhibition as, as I intend. Uh, not we're going to say uh, 10,000 people came out, but it won't have the same impact necessarily as seeing a whole wall of signs. Uh, it's quite a, an impactful display when you walk into the space. So um, I think for, for me, it just made a good idea into a great idea. You know, it was a good idea to go and collect one or two or five. It's a great idea to have an exhibition of 117 of them. And so that that's how things can go from to wow. There are going to be more protests coming up, especially with the American election and the fact that people are still um, questioning why Black Lives Matter. There's going to be a lot of protests, I think, in the next six months to a year. So what would advice would you give to a teacher that might want to use something like protest materials in their classrooms, but they're like, ah, maybe it's not really like, you know, a history topic right now? As someone who has been a student and as someone who is actually in school to be a teacher, I think it's important to address things that are relevant to today. And I think it it almost empowers students to want to engage in class and it shows them that they can create change. And because if you sit in history class and you're learning about the past and and you think that whatever was happening was was not right or things like that sometimes you feel confused and lost in class because you don't feel that you can fully connect or that you can create change now when it was a thousand years ago so when you're bringing things to your classroom when it's relevant and when students feel emotion and passion for whatever the lesson is it engages them more and it it empowers them to want to learn and to create change. And one thing that I would say is as difficult as it can be, I think it's important, like Amber said, not to censor what you're bringing into the classroom because that's what is gonna evoke emotion. And we look at emotion like it's a bad thing, like feeling anger is not good, feeling sadness is weakness. and I think that's completely wrong and I think it's important to bring emotion into the classroom because it shows students that that emotion is a good thing and it is what is so powerful and it's what can create change because when I look at the Black Lives Matter museum exhibit it's filled with emotion and it's filled with with passion with anger with sadness with with strength with everything and that's what makes it so beautiful so I think when stu- students bring emotion into the classroom, that is what makes it such a powerful lesson. And so I, I urge teachers to, to bring difficult conversations into the classroom, of course, in a safe manner. Um, but if you have the proper guidance, then that's what can be so powerful and, and empowering for the students to feel that they have a place this is a safe place and they are all they're all able to create change because sometimes you think oh well i can't do that like i'm not i'm not going to make a difference i'm just one person on this whole earth but if everybody felt that they could create change like that would be so powerful and everyone has the ability to create change so it's the teacher's job to um empower their students and so that means bringing harsh emotions and and validating the emotions that come into the classroom. Think of one conversation that I had during the pandemic with a, a social studies teacher educator who was saying that often when we learn about protests, we learn about like individuals, like a great man, like Martin Luther King. And so it's hard to disrupt that narrative that like you can make change too. Or we heard, hear distorted narratives like with Rosa Parks, that she was just like a tired old lady and not part of a longer kind of connection of activism that, again, you don't think that you can make change. Um, 
Jada, as one of the organizers of the march and the protests, is there an element of the history that you want that that you want to be able to like resonate in history classes, um, and that people can bring in the material that they see at Museum London or protest material that might be coming up? Um, well, when I was like thinking about making the protest, I made like comments and I'm like, oh my god, I'm the next Rosa Parks. Because it's like she did, she did like a huge change, and um, you know the black community and everything. I don't think I want to compare myself to any of those activists because I'm my own, like I'm my own person, and they were sure. living in a different time frame than I was. But they're definitely inspirations to me because they were also regular people who were just sick and tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. Um, so it'd be cool, yeah. Maybe in the future, people are like, oh, London had like this protest a couple of years ago, but. I don't feel like I did anything too special because I did this because I had to do it and I did this because, you know, change has to be made. So I don't like want credit for anything because it's a momentum and I jumped on the wave of the momentum that was happening and I saw protests in the United States. And I came along doing this protest because I was like to my friend Kira, I'm like, I really want to go to the one in Toronto, but we weren't able to um, find a ride there. So I was like, what if we just start one here? So then when I had that idea, I was like, maybe like a couple, like 50, like, couple hundred people come maximum and then I got like my first follow and the first reshare I'm like maybe this will be you know a point in history something people will reference to people are like oh remember the protests in London Ontario um so that really makes me happy that you know especially the museum exhibit because that's just like proof that that happened and there's proof that 10,000 people came and made those signs and it's just you know it's just a crazy thing and so what if, uh, so, so if and when there are more protests after the American election and over the next, you know, uh, few months, probably related to the American <laughs> election, um, and teachers want to bring in some of these ideas to their classroom, do you have any advice as someone that, um, that was an instigator, both of the, uh, of the, uh, the march in London, but also such a key person for the exhibit? I would say bring those things in. Let people have discussions because that's the only way the world will move forward. People are going to disagree. People might agree with you, but you know, it's just the matter of right and wrong. People might not agree with like Black Lives Matter. They're like, but all lives matter. But it's just something that you have to like teach them that yes, all lives do matter, you know, but not all lives are always at risk. Right. So there will be many other protests because this fight isn't over yet. So I do encourage teachers to bring that into the classrooms and let people talk about it. And then, you know, people disagree with the protests. Like, what are their ideas? What, did it, what, do, what do they think is going to make a change, you know? What do you hope people learn from this exhibit? Um, well, I don't ask for much. I just think people should educate themselves and learn that this is the world that we're living in and that we all have to make a change. And that exhibit just brings that to life, brings it like, you know, people can see it in their faces. Like they can see people are in pain and people are making signs. People want to change. So I think all I want people to learn from this is just, you know, this is the world that we live in. You have to educate yourself to make this a better world for everyone and make everyone feel safe and welcome in their own skin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, to tie to that, I think uh, there's so much that can be learned, but like Jada said, it's the simple message is that Black Lives Matter and this conversation needs to continue. And this is only one space that this conversation is happening. And it's your job to bring that with you in your everyday life. So have those tough conversations with family, friends, work colleagues, have with strangers like if you see something that is not right if you see injustice speak up stand up because that's what needs to happen and changes within all of us and it's up to us to embody that and educate ourselves and continue these conversations because it's not something that's going to go away overnight and it's our job to continue to better ourselves and better society and in order to do that education is key. I just want to add on to that um, when she said that 
this isn't something that's going to go away overnight. When we did the first protest, 10,000 people came through. And then the second one, only 1,000 people came. Because it was like the formative mm. act. They're like, oh, we went to the first one, so whatever. But it's like, no, the first one was a step towards what we want. You have to keep coming through. You have to keep educating yourself, educating the people, having conversations. Because it isn't just something you do once. Post, like, one Instagram story. And it's like, oh, I did it, like, made a change. Post, like, a black square on Instagram. Be like, Black Lives Matter. But that's... You have to go through all of these things like every single like point you have to be there to support or else no change will be made that's all yeah i think that's i think that's a really important element and that, like i appreciate you bringing the numbers in too because we can look at this exhibit and say oh like look at all the signs there were so many people but it is like how does that follow through to conversations after this um and uh, an action after this. And that's why it was interesting, Amber, when you were saying that like this, you saw this too as part of your uh, a mandate for Museum London. If we're gonna say we're gonna be more inclusive and we're gonna recognize our practices that might um, be identified as racism or just racist practices, like we have to, we have to do the work of anti-racism. And that's kind of interesting too, because a protest is, um, a moment, but an exhibit can allow for that recognition of more than just that moment and um, and and has more impact than a black square on your Instagram feed, which doesn't have any impact really, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Amber, what do you hope people learn from the exhibit? Well, I, I hope that they, they take the time to read the messaging, right? I hope they take the time to think about what it all says. Uh, so I'm just going to reference a few signs. Uh, it's not enough to be non-racist. You have to be anti-racist. Uh, to go back to what Jada was saying, educate yourself. What does that mean, right? It takes a lot to think that through and in terms of how teachers can use this, is to have those conversations. Visitors could have those conversations as they're standing in the space. Teachers can have these conversations in the classroom. Unpack what that means. Or think about, I understand, but I will never understand. Who wrote that? Why are they saying that? Think that through. Why can't I understand? But yeah, I know that a change needs to be made and I can do something about that. Or messaging that talks about murdered and, uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women. That's added to one of the signs as well. How does that become a uniquely Canadian story? How can, how does this all interlink in Canada and, and as a long part of our history? So we're talking about this being a moment in time, but this is, all of these signs are speaking to a history that is decades, if not centuries old, and understanding how there is continuity in, the, in history, in, in the event that we're having, that this isn't just this didn't just come out of nowhere. There is a huge history to this and, and beginning to appreciate that. Um, and then in terms of, of, of what the museum can do, I also want to just emphasize the fact that this is one exhibition. It's not enough for us or any museum that, that wants to be anti-racist or inclusive in, in its practices to put one exhibition up and say, okay, we're done. We've made a lovely exhibition. Um, yeah, everybody, you know that one we did two years ago? See, see how good we are? That's not enough. We've got to change the way we think. And uh, I, I teach museums, I, I teach museum studies courses. And so uh, I'm always trying to learn and improve so I can bring this stuff to my students as well. Uh, is, is how can we do this? What, what are their policies that need to be changed? Mm -hmm. How can we always ask questions of our exhibitions? And this could be for teachers as well. How can you ask questions of your lesson plans? How can I build inclusivity and diversity into the story I'm going to tell? Because it's easy as a white Canadian historian, as I am, to try to push yourself to do the hard work to learn and add the stories and do the work. And it's doing that extra step because I've got the position of power to make that change. Yeah, thank you. I think that's a really, I think it's a really powerful 
way to think about this work in relationship to Museum London, but also the work of teaching and learning. Uh, so no. as a matter of kind of conclusion, do you want to tell me your favorite sign? What is your favorite sign in the exhibit? Who wants to go first? I have to think. Just okay. Give me a second. <laughs> Amber, do you have one? I do. I do. Oh. do. Um, it's one that I had mentioned we hope to acquire signs for the collection. It's one that I will acquire. It is, um, it encompasses so many different important strands right now. It includes the rainbow flag for LGBTQ issues. It includes the colors of the trans flag. Uh, and it includes the raised fist of Black Lives Matter. And it, it is that inclusivity which I find to be extremely powerful because we think about intersectionality and mm -hmm. where people are in terms of, of, of race, sexual orientation, um, socioeconomic status, whatever. That helps you bring all of that together and understand it's one thing to be uh, a, a white, middle-class, uh, cisgendered woman, and, and you experience some levels of, of obstacles. We know that women don't receive the same pay as men. Adding race, uh, skin color, uh, sexuality to that just creates whole new levels of difficulty that as a, a white, middle-class, cisgendered, uh, person I I just don't experience and I am just so impressed and pleased at the, the power of one sign to communicate so much and so if I have to pick one and if I have to pick one that's likely to get a fair amount of airplay if you will at Museum London and I've already got it slated for another exhibition and, and probably another one after that it's because it just has so many levels to unpack that are so critical to conversations we're having today. We're having today, I should say. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, Olivia, do you have a favorite sign from the exhibition yeah. or from not the exhibition? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of them honestly mean the world to me, like whether I know who created it or not. I'm also a very indecisive person, so I just love everything that is laid in front of me. Um, and, and the thing, the ones that I always point out are obviously the ones that my friends made, because to me, that is what was the start of this creation mm. in my, in my story. So seeing those signs bring a lot of emotion. My one friend has a sign and it says black is beautiful. And, uh, the fact that I saw her create that and she felt like she had to vocalize that brings so much emotion to me um because i can't imagine not feeling beautiful because of something that is completely out of your control like um so anyways that's one that i love and the other one that i'm pretty sure it's actually jada's brother but i didn't know this at the time was the <laughs> am i next and that one brings a lot of emotion to me too because I can't imagine living in a world where you fear your own life every step that you take. I, I remember speaking with the girls and after the, after the museum, I could go home and lay my head on my pillow and feel safe falling asleep and not everybody feels that way. Um, so to, to know that my friends, my family, my neighbors, my students fear their own life and every step that they take is kind of what really enrages me and brings a lot of anger to me and um, I used to think anger was a bad thing but I think that is something that I'm embracing and when I see am I next I'm filled with anger I'm filled with sadness and that is what's driving me to continue to have these conversations so those are those are the ones that hit home for me <laughs> uh, Jada was that your brother's sign yeah, that's my next one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, did you have a favorite sign that was part of the exhibition or that was part of the march itself? Um, well, the one that Amber said was one of my favorites, but I think the ones that really, like, hit me were the ones that you could obviously tell they're made by children. Mm. Ones that are 
because I saw one that was like, why do they hate us? And then you could tell that's like a children's writing. And it's like, wow, children feel this way. They feel like, why do they hate us? Because really, why do they? And I think every time I saw a sign that looked like it was made by a child, I just felt so much like rage and like disappointment that they had to, you know, that they have to know that they know this is the world they live in and that they have to express themselves like that. Because I saw like a lot of children there um, and I was like, like a lot of black children. And I was like, this is really upsetting. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like children are that, you know, the system is built against them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I also have like a couple of favorites that me and my friend made like before the night of the protest. Um, I think there was one, it's like, who do you call when the police murder? I really like that one. And then there was one that really stuck with me and it was like, being black shouldn't have like place a target on my back. Mm. So that went on one of my favorites. So we can see the exhibit at Museum London. How long is the exhibit on for? It's slated to go until December 13. Um, and then um, it is a wall exhibition. It's been fully photographed. Uh, so um, it will live for a little longer in our, our past exhibition folder. And the fact that there are photographs online mean that everyone all over Canada can be able to see the exhibit, even if they can't be at Museum London. Um, and Jada, how can we connect to Black Lives Matter London? Um, we have an email on our Instagram account. We also have a Facebook account. I usually go through the DMs, but if it's urgent, you can just email the account on the contact information. Um, and on Facebook, we also go through the messages frequently. Okay, and so that information is below the video for anyone that's interested. And Olivia, do you have other DMs out there of exit to museums for exhibit proposals? Where can we um, connect with your work, if at all, after this? Um, I have not messaged any other museums. <laughs> I've stayed true to Museum London. <laughs> um, I don't know where this will take me. I know um, the girls of the Black Lives Matter London have talked about wanting like an office space and I think it would be really cool to be able to incorporate the signs there. Um, I think it would be cool to like continue it within different spaces in our our community. Um, how that will look, I have no clue. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Thank you, all four of you. This was such a wonderful conversation, and I'm so glad that we were able to um, not only feature the exhibit, but the ideas behind the exhibit and the importance of kind of continuing that conversation of both the activism, but also in making that activism part of how we teach and learn about society and about history. So thank you all so much. This was really wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you.